Quarter Notions is brought to you by FaceFace Games, Canada's number one source for magic singles and products. Check us out at FaceFaceGames.com. Holy cow. Either of you guys ever eat Crockleberry Crunch cereal? Uh, that sounds made up, but I refuse to believe it's a thing. Yeah, it's like uh, tricks, but like, well, it's similar to tricks, isn't it? Is it not? It's, it's like tricks and uh, Captain Crunch had a baby. Yes. It's Only been out of print for about 12 years. Bestiality is wrong, kids. So now, if you have a uh, an empty cereal box of it, you can get 17 bucks for it on eBay. <laughs> Score. Hello, good evening and welcome to episode 53 of Horde of Notions. I'm your host, Chris. With me tonight, we have two of the regular hosts. First of all, it's Travis. Hey, how are you doing? And the man, the myth, the legend, who loves having his lands vented, it's Will. This cast is now 673 and a quarter percent more enthusiastic than after we first released. <laughs> I-, I concur. At least. <laughs> Oh, that was, yes, let us never speak of it again. The pre-release was awesome. Uh, Suffice it to say, Packrat is disgusting and limited. Skullrend and Deathrite Shaman are broken and two-headed giant. That about sums it up, doesn't it, guys? Uh, Yes. Stab wound. Forgot stab wound. It's also pretty good. I still think that should have been called axe wound. Uh, Maybe arrow wound. To the knee. Avenging arrow, yeah, avenging arrow totally should have hit the guy in the kneecap. Just just as a nod, you know, to the meme. No, we're, or maybe it's. I'm pretty sure they probably, like, did the art before, or around the same time it came out, so they couldn't really That's change it. Quite enough of you and your logic, thank you. I apologize. So this week, we had uh, a couple of things happen. Uh, first of all, you can play any Titan you want as long as it's not in standard, so the rotation has happened. And Return of Ravnica is legal. Uh, your statement is false. You cannot play any Titan you want in Commander anymore. Moving on, because Travis is trying to confuse me on purpose, you can, in fact, play Return to Ravnica cards instead. You can. That, that is a fact. Voice. I'm not yeah. sure if you were waiting for a response on that. <laughs> Bite me on the bum. Well, no, uh, it's, it's just you seem confused. You're like, right, guys? Right? Right? <laughs> I'm always confused. Fact, right? <laughs> Put me in a round room and tell me to sit in the corner. The um, Star City Open in Cincinnati this weekend had the first major, if you want, tournament uh, with Star City with uh, Return of Ravnica cards legal, and uh, Todd Anderson won his second Pro Tour in a row. I mean, won the uh, Open after winning the Invitational last last week or week before the pre-release or whatever it was. Can you explain to the listeners and me who don't get that? When Todd Anderson won the Invitational, he said it was the hardest tournament he'd ever played in. Ah, okay. Now I understand. I was wondering, because I saw it on Facebook, like, a whole lot, and I was like, I don't get it. He was saying that he was comparing the Invitational skill level up to that of a Pro Tour. He said he met quite a few pros on his path to victory. Ah, okay. He also said it was the hardest tournament he's ever played in. Todd has a wee bit of tendency to talk uh, enlarged. Yes. I mean, you know, all of those Grand Prix he's won... (laughs) Oh... Wait, it's like basically uh, he makes a statement and then casts giant growth on it. 
<laughs> he has he has got a second place finish at a GP though. Yeah, give the man credit. He did lose to Reed Duke in the finals of GP Nashville. See, see, there's a way you could make that statement so that it's actually not mockable, but due to the fact that our cast is PG-13, uh, we'll have to avoid it. He did. Uh, he placed top twenty or top twenty-five at one of the pro tours too. Did he? Yeah. Uh, Dark Ascension, I think. He's a He's friend, still... so I follow his career with much interest. Oh, you know him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's from Alabama. We played there quite a bit together. Ah, so we uh, have to not like him because he probably goes around saying Roll Tide as well, right? Damn straight. Anyone with any so, kind of sense does. Travis, I, I have to ask you this. What kind of laundry detergent do you use? Gain. Why, why don't you use Tide? Because I'm a cheap bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're very committed to your college football team. I am well, sitting here in... Alabama pajamas and an Alabama. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just hilarious. <laughs> if you want, I'll turn on the video so you can see. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> Alabama pajamas. <laughs> Sounds like a wrestling move. How can you like Alabama? Remember when we spoke about magic, that game that we play with the cards? No, wait. Travis said a ridiculous statement. We need to address this. Liking Alabama is ridiculous. That's right, it should be loving Alabama. Loving Alabama is even worse. Also, that's illegal in Alabama. <laughs> Not if you're related. <laughs> Kudos. So Return to Ravnica is now in, in standard, and we saw quite a few brews this weekend uh, hit the, hit the uh, tables, but there was a TCG player event and Star City open in Cincinnati. Let me make one statement real quick while we're still talking about Alabama. Every single Alabama fan gets confused as as hell because all the tweets for the set are RTR, Return to Ravnica, and the big uh, chant for our football team is Roll Tide Roll. So RTR just confuses. I know it confuses the crap out of me when I'm reading it and jumping between sports tweets and magic tweets. So, uh, my fellow Bama fans can probably empathize with that. Just out of curiosity, how difficult is it to confuse an Alabaman? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm confused by your question. What? <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing that I want to do, and I'm sure Travis will join me on this, is uh, is to pose a, a question. And perhaps, well, I know you didn't disagree with us, but perhaps you can help us by playing the part of the audience. All right, I can do that. How many Delva decks were in the top eight of Star City Games Cincinnati? Uh, there were none. Correct. How many copies of the card Delver of Secrets were in the top eight? Uh, I'm going to go with none. This is the correct answer. On the other hand, how many copies of the card Rock's Faith Mender were in the top eight of SCG Cincinnati? There were two of them. That is also correct. What does this tell us, Travis? That I was right all along. Uh, sorry, who was right? I'm sorry, we were right all along. Ah, okay, there we go. It also clearly states that Rock's Face Mender is better than Delva, obviously. Exactly. Anyone who doesn't I, I, believe that should be tarred and feathered. Well, in, in that case, Elder Scaleworm is better than Delver. <laughs> yeah, that was in the, in the sideboard of Freets. I'm like, okay, somebody was expecting Red Deck wins, obviously. Because <laughs> Red Deck wins just has no answer to that card. So, yeah, Umberio writes my Elder Scaleworm. Game two? <laughs> Well, I don't. I don't think most of the zombie decks have an answer for it, do they? 
Well, they can sacrifice a dude and tragic slip it. Uh, yeah. Also, there's some they're... that had um, Victim of Night out of the board. Yeah, which makes me think that Rise from the Grave might be tech in uh, Fruits decks, because that turns them into zombies, which blanks their Victim of Night. Well, depending, like, because some of the some of the zombie decks, well, zombies say slash Rakdos aggro decks are running Bump in the Night, which gets around Elder Scale Worm. Yeah, that's true. It does, but you'd need three of them. Three of them. Yeah, because it's you because you stay at seven, right? So to get you down to zero. Oh no, you don't need one to get them below seven. That's right. Yeah, because your life, has, your life has to be uh, the ruling is it has to be seven or more. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's very true. Would you guys think this could be a black fall or a black winter? Uh, six of the top eight decks had black, either zombies or jund, or even the Freets deck had black. So are we looking at the, the revival of swamps? I don't. I, think I don't think that was so, ever in doubt, was it? Uh, I think it, it, it's good because black was so nerfed in Avacyn Restored. We hardly saw any of it. But I think it's a little early to to make that statement. The first few weeks of the standard season in October is always skewed by what's easiest and what has most dudes to turn sideways. And since there's no mono-red deck. Well, there's too much life gain for mono-red to be viable. But even without the life gain, like, there's not very... Like, the red uh, the red cards available aren't very good. Yeah, I was looking at that in my in my set review today when I was typing it up, and, you know, normally... When after rotation, the standard environment looks like a, a film where you're hunting for a Russian submarine. Uh, but Sean Connery's nowhere to be found this year because there's just nothing to put in the deck. Also, I think the other thing is that like uh, the five guilds that basically came in with Return to Ravnica, you had to expect that like the decks would be built say around those, and like you could kind of count is it out because is it is generally counterburn and it doesn't do as well against uh, aggro decks. Yeah, I think is it has uh, suffered a little bit. There might be a deck that uses stuff like Goblin Electromancer to power big uh, bonfires and or entreats and or Rakdos' return. Don't know, it's a bit early to tell yet. That takes a little tuning. Yeah, it's probably going to... Like, I can see it coming in later on, but obviously, you know, Zombies was already kind of around, and if you could add in a couple more beatdown cards, then, you know, you got a deck going. Well, I think the reason Zombies is so good is that Black-Red Zombies lost practically nothing. It got Blood Crypt, and then you a lot of the Golgari cards are also Zombies, so you have all of the Shocklands to build that deck. Well, you're missing Stomping Ground, but Black is the primary color, and you have the two Black Shocks that you need to make the deck. So that that mana base is, is among the best. The other really strong mana base you can make is a Junk one. Yeah, there weren't Crit. any. Uh, there weren't any. I was kind of surprised. I didn't see any junk decks. I didn't see any bug decks. There was a junk tokens list that did okay. We'll go through the lists in a minute. What were you going to say, Travis? Just thinking uh, back to the is it comments you were making earlier, um, and the stuff we were talking about before we started recording this cast. Could uh, the Goblin Electromancer work with the Cyclonic Rift, and then following that up with Rakdos's return, since it would oh. shrink both decks, or both spells? Oh, me gusta. I like that a lot. That's definitely worth looking at, yeah. It's actually it's pretty reminiscent of uh, People Psychotalk back in the day, which played uh, Nightscape Familiar to power out uh, spells. Well, the big thing about Nightscape Familiar was that it regenerated. 
So it stayed, it was easy to keep on the board. Like the Electromancer is likely to eat removal as soon as it gets there, eh? Unless you drop it the turn before you want to rift. So I think the Electromancer plays a very similar role to the Familiar, even without Regenerate, because uh, the Familiar was all of your blue spells cost one less. So it worked on the Upheaval uh, when you floated a bunch of mana. It also let you... Uh, when you replayed it next, you were able to cast Psychotog for less mana, and you were able to cast a bunch of your other spells for less mana. Plus, with Syncopate, uh, it also did, it also reduced it, and as it so happens, Syncopate's in this new format, which, uh, in a deck that's similar, that you'd have Cyclonic Rift and Rakdos's Return, your Electromancer reduces all of the key spells that you want in your deck. So while, I mean, the Regenerate would obviously be nice, say, against, if you're facing down an aggro deck, that you can just keep on chump blocking, it's not like... It, it does reduce the cost of your spells quickly enough that uh, you should be able to get there before they get there. Possibly. The problem I would... The only problem I can see is that my deck plays a lot of Planeswalkers. I think... What have I got? Eight in the main deck? Three Tamiya, three Jason, two Nickel Bolas? Or as you called them last night, Nikki B... Hell yeah, Nikki B. <laughs> he sent me this list, and I was like, "Who the? What the hell is a Nikki B?" <laughs> it took a while. Only his friends and acquaintances can call him Nikki B. <laughs> I'm definitely qualifying on that front since I've played him so many times. You hear that, everyone? Chris Lansdale, slave of Bolus. Uh, no, oh. no, 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 more like associate of Bolus. Then I, I, I guess with the list you have, you. You'd probably want to, say, have it more streamlined so that there's maximum value for your Electromancer. Yeah, that's possible. Um, for one thing, I think the Curse of Death Hold needs to come out. I had that in the main deck because I figured Zombies was going to be a lot more prevalent than it looks like. I think I can put that in the board and go with Pillar of Flame maybe in the main, but, I mean, let's face it, what does Electromancer do for that? It doesn't do anything, but I can agree. I mean, Jason and Curse of Death's Hold play very similar roles, right? They, but they work so well together as well. Oh, no, that's true, but like they they have similar roles, so you wouldn't want like too much repetition on that front. No, that's true. What about Rolling Trembler? I hate that card. I'd much rather play Magma Quake. It's, it's actually not that bad. What's funny is when I was playing, like, I just built a budget Burning Vengeance deck on MPGO to kind of play for in the fun rooms between rounds, and it was in the deck, and it actually did a whole lot more work than I expected it to. Oh, sure, it can do work, but it doesn't get flyers, right? Yeah, but and it will Delphers only ever... Anymore. No, I know, but it will only ever do two damage. Magma Quake does two damage for just one more mana. It can also randomly pick off opposing Planeswalkers. For only now, one in this deck... Well, in that deck, it's not particularly good, though. No, in my deck, it would be terrible. Yeah, because Magma Quake is red, red, X, so four mana gets you two damage. Rolling Tremble is three. Well, you're playing, I mean, you're playing Mizium Mortars, right? Uh, sideboard at the moment, okay. but I could easily main deck. Because oh, for Overload, it's six, but I mean, if you can get Electromancer and play it, then that's a turn earlier. Yes. And then he attacks for two, cheekily, because everything else is dead. That is true. Although, the Messenger will most likely return... But that does make me think, uh, did either of you watch any of the coverage this weekend? Oh, yeah, tons of them. Yes. Unfortunately, the League of Legends crashed. Was it just me, or did Sever the Bloodline pop up everywhere? It seemed like a house. It is a house. 
It's a very, very strong card, and I would very much suggest that everybody pick them up now, because it, it just owns tokens. It owns tokens. It was getting rid of messengers and multiple grave crawlers. It was just like sidestepping the uh, regenerate of Lotleth Troll. Yeah, it's very, very good. So what I figure we should do, instead of just theory crafting for a bit, we should talk about at least the top eight deck lists. Well, not all of them, because some of them are uh, duplicated. But we'll look at what uh, top eighted the SCG, and uh, then talk about some brews that we might have been working on. Sound good? Thumbs up. All right, I guess we'll start with uh, Todd Anderson, who won the whole thing, with uh, the UK Miracles deck. Which allows me to go ahead and give a very special shout-out to Jack LaCroix, who lost our bet in the very first tournament possible. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody except Jack thought he was going to win that bet. Yeah, Jace is good. <laughs> Little bit. It's like Wizards made Jace, what, 3.0, Jace Memory Adept, stuck him in 12, and when he wasn't the best card in the set, they went into panic mode and printed Jace 4.0 just to make sure the universe was in order. <laughs> well, you see, I have a slightly different theory. Jace the Mind Sculptor was the best card in any format you wanted to play him in. So the only difference is he wasn't necessarily the best card in Limited. So Jace Memory Adept is clearly the best Planeswalker in Limited. So they've already made a Jace to dominate every other format. It's like, which so Jace do you want me to beat you with today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could you just you could just see someone showing up to like a legacy tournament with Jace dot deck? Oh, you kill this one? Okay, here's his brother. I thought that's what Todd Anderson was playing today. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty much. So Todd's list uh, main deck. He has two Snapcaster Mage, four Detention Sphere, four Azurius Charm, two Syncopate, aka Duckface, four Think Twice, four Jace. Architect of Thought, two Tamio, three Entreat, four Pillar, one Supreme Verdict, four Terminus, two Island, four Plains, four Clifftop Retreat, one Desolate Lighthouse, four Glacial Fortress, four Hallowed Fountain, four Steam Vents, three Sulphur Falls. Can we have Ruination back? Or Wasteland? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't uncommon. It's fit to reprint. So this is basically Alex Haynes' Miracles list, right? Like He's obviously added some stuff that Hayne didn't have access to. Oh, he added a lot that Hayne didn't have access to. Yeah, sure. It's not making sense. I was just repeating facetiously what they said on the coverage today. I didn't hear that part. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the fact that there's no Devastation Tide, no Temporal Mastery, no ba no Feeling of Dread, no Thought Scour. Yes, yeah, it was like, a Feeling of Dread is nice and all, but I'll just rack your board instead. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, this this has some upgrades, but then again, one was a block deck and one was a standard deck, so... It's it's just watching the people play these miracles, it's like, did Wizards really think these things were fair? I mean, when they, whenever Bonfire gets flipped, uh, did you see the game where uh, the guy flipped Bonfire and then just turned the camera up and screamed? Yeah, yeah. The thing is, though, they are fair, because when you don't miracle them, they're not that great. Bonfire's still pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good, but it's not great. Uh, when you miracle it, it is ridiculous. It's a one-sided, well, not even an earthquake. It's a one-sided earthquake mixed with a hurricane. But unless you miracle it, it's completely reasonable. Same goes for Entreat. I mean, Entreat's a Sarah Angel without vigilance if you don't miracle it. And once you get to, like, nine mana, it starts to be gross. But 
Otherwise, it's fair. Temporal Mastery is actually pretty bad at seven mana. Terminus is still pretty good at six. Yeah, t- but Terminus uh, as a Wrath... I mean, well, Hallowed Burial was five, right? I think Terminus is probably the least fair of the lot, but that's the one you hear people complaining about the least. I don't know. I've just seen too much... Uh, bonfire just angers me. <laughs> oh, yeah, but... It only angers you when it blows you out. This is the thing. You don't see all the times that your opponent draws it, doesn't cast it because it doesn't make sense, and is sitting there raging internally because they wish they'd drawn any other card. I've never run into one of those occasions. (laughs) You've never drawn it on turn one when all you have is a mountain? Uh, no. But uh, even late game... I've in my opening hand once, but... But with the way this format's shaking up to be, where it's no longer the big... Titans with uh, six rear ends. We're having lots of creatures that have two, three toughness. Bonfire in your hand is beginning to become relevant. I saw at least one or two games in the coverage yesterday where post they would attack, other team would block, and then post-combat they would cast it, wipe their opponent's board, take a planeswalker, and the game's over. Okay, but that's fine. That's what a mythic rare that costs that much mana should do. You know, it's it's not like you're paying two mana to get that effect. You have to, if you need to finish off three or four creatures and take out a planeswalker. I mean, Earthquake used to be able to do that, right? Magma Quake can do it now. Does Magma I'm Quake not, only say your opponent's creatures? No, it doesn't. But it's also not a mythic and doesn't cost double X. I don't know. I just think that is such a dangerous text, and it's what worries me about Cyclonic Rift too. The ability to just destroy your opponent's board is uh, dangerous. Oh, buddy, you don't have to sell me on Cyclonic Rift. <laughs> oh, I'm all over that card. Uh, that's actually one thing Todd said he would consider that card uh, if he were to play this deck again, because the effect is just so powerful. Uh, Brad Nelson, Brian Brown Duin, and Kenny Caster also played the deck. Uh, they came 13th, 27th, and 35th, respectively. So, it looks like this deck did Pretty well. It had four in the top 64. So four people cashed with it. Might be worth playing at uh, states slash provincials if you're playing in the next weekend. It also is extremely expensive now. But Jace is now 50, so that's uh, more. 200 well, bucks for a play set of Jace. Let's have a look. Jace right now is 48 bucks, I think? 47.99 on facefacegames.com. Excellent. And they still have some in stock. They have five in stock. Oh, wait, hang on. They have four in stock. <laughs> they also have a foil in for a hundred bucks, which is pretty awesome. I think that's just going to go up in the next few days. Actually, how much awesome. is Tampio going for now? Uh, I'm looking up Bonfire right now. Bonfire is down to forty dollars on face to face. You can get a foil for seventy. Tamio is now. Tamio's gone up though. Tamio's now twenty one ninety nine. But I think I don't think that's the roof for her either. I think she's going to go even further up. Well, I think the other problem with Tamio is that, like, I mean, before, like, pre, uh, before the rotation, Tamio was like twelve, thirteen bucks. Really? Did she go that low? Uh, yeah, you were. It was. I know at face when I had gone in, uh, they had him at thirteen bucks. I was just like sold. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm glad I have my playset though, because I could uh, make some fine coin off those. So yeah, this deck is not cheap. I mean, you're looking at almost 200 bucks just for your Jaces if you didn't open any. 
like detention spheres probably not too bad. What about uh entreat? Uh, that's probably tenish. No, entreat is more than that. Yeah, detention sphere is currently going for six ninety nine. It's a good card, especially because it gets rid of all the tokens. And entreat is out of stock at sixteen. Do you know why it's out of stock at sixteen? Because everybody wants to play this deck. Oh well, there's that, but it's also because I bought the last two when they were still twelve ninety nine. <laughs> Did you get them autographed by Alex Hayne? Uh No, I didn't. I don't like uh, having writing on my cards. This is definitely not uh, a cheap standard format. Now, hopefully, I mean, I think for most people, so that they have, say, the ability to play many decks, hopefully this is just, like, for provincials, a provincial spike. Yeah. But, like, since that's kind of a big tournament going up. But I'm trying to think back to last year, and I don't think there was that big of a fall-off, like... When Innistrad first came out? Liliana dropped to about 50 within a week of Provincials. Yeah, she was 70 out. at Provincials. That was nuts. Yeah. Right. Yes. Oh, yes, it's true, because Solar Flare was the deck. Yes. The next deck we want to talk about is the one that uh, lost to Todd in the finals due to some epic misplays on the part of the pilot. Uh, this was a, a four-color reanimator deck, which uh, looks really nice, actually. It made me a believer in Angel of Serenity. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cod's for real. Uh, uh, as much as I was unhappy with not opening a Baraska or a Jace or a Rakdos' Return, I did open for Angel Serenity. So I'm set on that point. <laughs> you need to get Eric Klug to alter them to have River Tam on them. <laughs> Who? That's a nerd alert for you. Okay, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's from uh, Firefly. That's a song by Breaking Benjamin, maybe? Oh, you hurt <laughs> me. <laughs> you're getting too complicated. Uh, Angels, right now, $20. Like, I have a friend who told me, he was like, look, it's a mythic, it's going to be a four of in decks, so it's going to go up, and I was just like, I don't believe you. Like, this is like a $10 card. But, uh, no, that, that reanimator deck certainly, uh, certainly gave it some oomph, and uh, I don't think it's staying there. I think it's going on its way up. The problem with reanimator decks is that they are so susceptible to hate that it's very difficult, very easy for them to not be a player for a few weeks. And then the graveyard hate goes away, and then they become a deck again. So. Well, I think the way he built this with the, uh, the centaur healers and the thrag dusks, um, I, th- this has got potential outside of just being a graveyard deck. It's sort of like a decent deck that just has the ability to just destroy you turn four with a gristle brand from the graveyard or Angel Serenity. But it, I believe uh, you pronounced the name of that card incorrectly. Which one? Gristle brand. Alrighty then. I didn't know it was pronounced that. All right. Now, which one of us here is the hillbilly? <laughs> <laughs> but no, even watching coverage, like he was hard casting the angel uh, on numerous occasions. Right, he's got this deck set up to hit his land drops between uh, Grizzly Salvage, which is, I, I think it's a fantastic common that isn't getting the attention it deserves. Um, Faithless Fluting, Mulch, he's going to hit his land drops, so he should be able to drop it turn 7, no problem. Just survive till you get there, and the healers and the Thrag tests are going to do that. Yeah, which, by the way, as much as I mocked you guys, because you were like, Centaur Healer, it's the Bane of Zombies deck, after watching coverage... Dear God, is it ever. I'm telling you, the life gain is so good in those two cards that it, there's an aggro... 
like no, it's not it, got the chances everyone think it does. Like I was watching, and his opponent was using Victim of Night on Centaur Healers, just yeah. because he had to get rid the, of the the nickname that gave it Lockston Lower Arc. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Travis, I know you love this deck, so you want to read the list for us? Okay, uh, creatures, we got four Angel of Serenity, three Centaur Healer, four Thrag Tusk, uh, we got one Golgari Charm, and four Grizzly Salvage, two Grizzlebrand, two Dreadbore, four Faithless Looting, three Lingering Souls, four Mulch, two Rolling Timbler, four Umburial Rites, four Blood Crypt, four, a three Clifftop Retreat, Four Overgrown Tomb, three Rootbound Crag, three Sunpetal Grove, four Temple Garden, two Woodland Cemetery. He does not have a single basic land. No. That's oh man, scary. if they do bring Ruination back, he's screwed. Yeah. Well, there's already Ghost Quarter. Oh. You mean Strip Mine in this case? Yeah. But it's the board, though. Oh, the board. The sideboard has one Centaur Healer, one Elder Scale Worm. <laughs> Two Roxen, Rox Faithmender. <laughs> Roxen Faithmender. Actually, I think it should now be called Roxen Facemender. Face Melter. <laughs> Two Oblivion Ring. One Golgari Charm. One Ray of Revelation. One Vraska the Unseen. Two Bonfire oh. the Damned. Three Duress. And one Sever the Bloodline. This thing just looks so sweet. I don't care. I mean, the only card that I don't re- that I actively dislike is the Two Rolling Templar. I think I'd rather have Sever's main than that. Uh, you need something on turn three just to slow zombies down. Uh, more centaur healers. <laughs> yeah, I think he should have went up to four there. But this deck just looks so much fun. I also want more than two Dreadball, because uh, that card is just really, really good. I think but the main is good. I, I, I agree there could be some more in the side. Well, I think that the Miracle deck is out. I don't think you want the Elder Scale Worm, right? Uh, no, probably not. I think he was just trying to hedge his bets. I mean, the, the sideboard is a bit all over the place. But then again, you do see the majority of your deck when playing this, so one-offs are fine. But I think he was just trying to have something against all archetypes. Like, against Control, if you hit Vraska, they have two turns to find the O-Ring, or they die. Elder Scale Worm is probably great against tokens. He may have thought there was going to be a tokens build. Something that just wants to put out a lot of dudes and not get rid of your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's possible. Or even someone like Green-White Aggro with no actual removal. Because you know, that, that's actually a legitimate deck. I mean, what are they going to do? Unless they're playing Trustani's Judgment. Uh, oh, they have... Celestia Charm, I guess. Yeah, Celestia Charm. It's not Oblivion Ring. Which I didn't see played very much. I still think it's outstanding. Celestia Charm. Celestia Charm is good. Uh, Oblivion Ring, a lot of aggro decks might sideboard it, but they probably wouldn't play it that's otherwise, true. and he does have but the, uh, Golgari Charm. The uh, Celestia Agro uh, deck that came in seventh has three Celestia Charms. Yeah. They, they hate using them to kill stuff, though they'd much rather be giving plus two, plus two, or making a knight. No, that's true, but, you know, I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I, I'm, I really like this deck. I think there's a... Uh, I would love to see one Gerard in here. Well, no, no, maybe not in this one. There's not enough creatures in it. Only 13 creatures. What about one of uh, Gerard's orders? Yeah, my friend Mark is talking about that. Um, I'm not sold on it. I mean, you go and put an angel in the graveyard and put a Thrag Tusk in your hand. You Or just one in your hand and one in your graveyard. One angel. 
in your hand and one in your graveyard. And when you cast it, you exile two of their dudes and put an angel underneath it. As much as, much as it pains me to say this, I have to agree with Chris. I like from the minute it was spoiled, I just wasn't on. I wasn't sold on the card. I think it it might have potential, but not in something like this. I think this. I think that goes in something like a Splinter Fright deck, where you just want to fill your graveyard with dudes and find a Splinter Fright. I can see that. I can too. One thing I just noticed, and I might be the last one to notice this, but Gerard and Deathright Shaman have some really nice synergy going. Because when Gerard dies, he sacrifices lands, which you can then use to eat the, for the Deathright Shaman to eat to recast your Gerard. Well, Grizzly Salvage and Deathright Shaman have a lot of in common too. They do, and Mulch, and so basically, I think Deathright Shaman is the nuts. It's already up to seven bucks. Oh yes, I, I've got mine. I got that was one of the first things I pre-ordered. I love the card. We need we need it to go higher. You've got a foil one, haven't you? Actually, what's funny is that I have, a, like, the foils... And I'm, I'm normally really bad at getting foils, but the foils I have for this set are actually, like, cards that are played. Like, I have a... I still have my foil Dross Messenger. I have a foil Clifftop Retreats. I'm actually not so uh, disappointed with the foils I opened. Yeah, the Deathrite Shaman foil is up to 20, even though the original... The normal is only 7. I think that's because it's legacy playable. I think it's going to be Legacy, Modern, and Sand. Right, but we know Stability how Stability only. Like, looking at it as a, a bad mana ramp card. Yeah. It's not going to well, get you a creature on uh, a three drop on turn two, but this thing turn one, Grizzly Salvage turn two, turn three you can drop and hit a four drop, or you can remove something from the graveyard, or you can gain life. I mean, it's got... Someone I saw on Twitter described it as the, the first one drop Planeswalker because it has the three abilities. Um, possibly a little over the top, a little bit, but I <laughs> mean, a little that's, bit. Eh? That's the way you got to look at it. It's not a. It's not necessarily a one drop. It may be a, a turn three or four all star. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good card. So that calling it a planeswalker is uh, <laughs> is is that good? Well, in all fairness to that statement, I'd consider it a better planeswalker than Tabalt. I'm a better planeswalker than Tabalt. Mountain is a better planeswalker than Tabalt. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got a, bought a couple to try in Modern with um, Life from the Loam, and it still sucked horribly. <laughs> I tried a, a Life from the Loam Vine Lasher Kudzu deck with stuff like Explore and Crucible of Worlds, and it was really good if it got a turn two Vine Lasher Kudzu. Of course, when it didn't, it was horrible. In Modern, uh, two to three years ago, I ran Scapeshift Zoo. A Violetra Kudzu and uh, the one drop. My brain's not working tonight. Like uh, oh, Lone, uh, Wild Mikado? Well, that too, but the... The the, the links? Landfall. The links, yes. Oh, Step Links. Oh, that's gross. No, it's, it's, it's Steepy Links. Uh, anyway, <laughs> getting back. By the way, Rock's Faith Mender, 99 cents right now. <laughs> Ah. Get them while they're hot, kids. Yeah, I've got six. I think uh, I think it's safe to buy them at ninety nine cents because they might go up to the the swimmingly high amount of a dollar ninety nine before we're done here. All we need is one or two more good life gain cards, and it's set. I think it's playable right now. That's what I'm, I'm working on an article for KYT for about it. Yeah, because because Thrag Tusk is just not getting the job done, eh? 
You know how good Thrag Tusk is, right? I mean, nobody complains, nobody disagrees about that. Thrag Tusk is a very, very good card. Turn 5, 5 life, 5 3 dude, excellent, right? What if it gave you 10 life instead? Or 20. Mm -hmm. What if since the healer gave you 6 life? Or 12. Mm -hmm. What if Angel's Mercy... Okay, (laughs) never mind. (laughs) Digging deep, boys. (laughs) I want to see someone do that, then. (laughs) Angel's Mercy for 28. (laughs) He wrote for Union for 28. Oh! (laughs) Deathrite Shaman, exile your Gristlebrand, gain 8 life. Things you can do with multiple faith menders on the board are grotesque. (laughs) Uh, Another interesting list from this weekend was the mid-range, the John mid-range deck played by Lauren Nolan. He he semi-finaled the event. And um, Adam Prozac was also on a similar list. Uh, Will, have you got this one up? I do have this one up. You want to whip us off that list there, buddy? I suppose I could. It has two Rakdos key runes, four Huntmaster of the Fells, four Strangaroot Geist, Four Thrag Tusk, four Wolf, Wolf Here Avenger, my apologies, one Deadweight, three Olivia Voldaren, one Garrick Relentless, and another copy of the Primal Hunter, four Farseeks, two Mizium Mortars, four Pillar of Flame, two Sever the Bloodline, six Forest that actually plays basic lands, four Blood Crypts, two Kessig Wolfruns, four Overgrown Tombs, four Rootbound Crags, four Woodland Cemeteries. And then in the board, it has two Knight of Infamies, an Underworld Connections, three Cremates, two Golgari Charm, three Liliana the Veil, two Appetite for Brains, another copy of Mizium Mortars, and the Singledon Rakdos's Return. So uh, we're going to go over the Adam Prozac one later, which had a couple of key differences. I really like this list. I'm a huge fan of Olivia right now. Yeah, she, she does was doing some work yesterday. So much work. Like the, it, she does, she's immune to ultimate price. She's immune to abrupt decay. She doesn't die to a pillar of flame. Actually, speaking of which, I didn't see any abrupt decay. There are a couple in some of the jund lists. Okay. I just thought of that. I was like, I didn't see that card anywhere today. Or it's not technically, it was yesterday. I saw it in Legacy today. Someone was playing it in 43 lands. Yes, well, in Legacy, it happens to be much better, as there are yeah. there are some decent one and two drops in Legacy. One or two, and they, some, some of them even see a little bit of play. Yeah, just a little bit, though. I watched a couple of Lauren's games, and Knight of Infamy out of the sideboard was really impressive. I can see that. I know of at I least mean, one game where it it was what won him the game against the white I'm humans. Really interested that uh, Wolfear Avengers in this list. That card hasn't actually seen any play, has it? Uh, saw some in block. I mean, it's a three-three flash for three that regenerates. Uh, nobody's saying it's a bad card. I just don't remember seeing it in standard before. Yeah, I think I, the only place I saw them was in block two. Because most of the pe- time, people would play the uh, the slightly bigger wolf here with the heart of silver. Yeah, and he's not in here, funnily enough. I mean, I guess the only thing at five is the one primal hunter. Well, and Thragtusk. Wolf here Avenger may be better if you were expecting control. 
You know, one card I'm, I'm noticing is distinctly absent from all of these lists. Rancor. Well, that too, but I hadn't thought of that. Where is Restoration Angel? Like, that card was everywhere. And I, I mean, we haven't hit on any lists playing white with creatures yet. I mean, the Miracles list wouldn't need it. I don't know if it's in the Selesnia deck we're going to get to in a minute, but... It's weird to me that nobody even tried to build around it for this tournament. I like, I like the specification after, because I was like, still looking at the Jun deck, and I was like, Chris, Chris, it doesn't have white sources. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the top eight Selesnya deck doesn't have it either. Well, it's missing Blade Splicer, which was what really made it an all-star when it curved out. Well, it's not bad with Ragdusk either. Or Centaur Healer. Yeah, but if you're waiting for turn six to, do, to blink the Thrag Tusk, you're probably really far behind against Rakdos Aggro or uh, Zombies. Well, not if you cast a Thrag Tusk on five, or a Healer on three. Yeah, at least you've... Uh, hey, you've the deck I work on already has that going. I agree Don't with you, but I'm just trying to make... <laughs> Attended Knight's a card, too. And it's, it's no Blade Splicer, but it, it's a suitable replacement. Mm, no, it's not. Well, it blocks everything in the Rakdos deck, profitably. Right, but then it has the two uh, power. I was toughness. thinking Slayer of the Wicked would probably be good with it right now. You evil, evil man. I mean, it's a shame they're on the same spot on the curve, but yeah, that does actually work very well. See, I think, takes out I think the, the Restoration Angel is just kind of biding its time for Boros. Oh yeah, Boris is going to be full of angels too. That's uh, that's a good call. But restoration. What does Slayer of the Wicked get? I mean, it gets all of the. It gets a lot less troll. Messenger, obviously. Unless they have one Olivia. Mana. Well, yeah, but still, it doesn't care about the like. It, I tragic. Like list. I think it performs a similar role to Centaur Healer, right? Like I mean, it obviously Centaur Healer doesn't kill the guy, but it still gives you the same body to trade, and generally, like that three life is, say, kind of on par. I can see what you're saying. There. I mean, I can see it as a one or two of. Oh, people and, were playing an Elite Inquisitor, so I was wondering why they didn't try Maybe they did try it, but um, it just seems like Slayer of the Wicked would, would do the same thing. Well, Elite Inquisitor just stands in front of any zombie all day and doesn't care, doesn't afraid of anything. It can also attack without fear, right? Yeah, it just attacks and blocks. Because it has Vigilance. Takes care of Huntmaster as well, if that randomly comes out. Can't be pinged by Olivia. But doesn't it just bite it to Pillar of the Flame? That it yes. does. Yes, it does. And Abrupt Decay. And Ultimate Price. You know, maybe that's one... Th maybe Slayer of the Wicked, the uh, four mana, works in its favor there. It dodges Abrupt Decay. It's true, too. So, back to this uh, this John Midrange deck for a second. Strangle Root guys had fallen out of favor a lot, but that was mainly because of Blade Splicer? Yeah. Yeah, when, so you're, I, when you're basically just sending your guy in to die without a profitable trade. Uh, twice. <laughs> twice. <laughs> no longer very good. And Huntmaster, I think, uh, well, at the moment is not likely to flip very often because everybody's casting spells. A lot of the, these decks have good curves. But once Control takes over, Huntmaster's going to be really good. Especially can, off a of cavern. You know what's really funny about if Control does take off? And, again, I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but you know what deck seems really good against Control? What's that? <laughs> Your stupid enchantment deck. It actually does. 
What are they? Because they've got no way to deal with. Well, they them. have detention sphere. Like that's that's basically their kind of their their thing, right? Yeah. And so if Pot does adopt Cyclonic Rift, that's still going to be yeah game. Yeah, but you can easily put in some syncopates in uh in that enchantment deck. <laughs> that was the like because I was I was watching him play it, and the entire time I was like, God, I hate Lansdale for this. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, because uh, I mean, one of the like one of the key matches that I saw right was uh, the control deck was playing against uh, your reanimator deck right in the finals. Yeah. And the problem with the reanimator deck is that it's kind of, it's a really one trick pony. Yeah. I mean, you're not like you can obviously say go beat down or whatnot there, but you really have to go beat down. Like, I mean, you need turn two, uh, turn three, center healer, turn four, center healer, turn five, thrag tusk. And you can't really be wasting your time with uh, the Faithless Lootings and Grizzly Salvages, which is why like it definitely gives uh, the control deck uh, an easier matchup. Because they can just kind of sit back and use their Azorius Charm or their Syncopates when they need to. And if not, like you have uh, Terminus as well. That's possible. I'm not going to argue with that. So that's why like it was kind of... Although it did, it, I mean, it did go through... Uh, a field that was a whole lot of aggro as well. So, I mean, either there's some trick we didn't see, or Jace is really, really good. <laughs> oh no, Jace is really, really good. <laughs> just ask Jack. I'm surprised. Looking at the control gun deck again, it just occurred to me that he went with Azorius Charm instead of Is It Charm. Well, I think you want Azorius Charm in this in this situation, right? Because if you're expecting to face a whole lot of uh, aggro decks. Being able to just, you know, put their creature on top and then replay them essentially buys you a turn. It also... But turn is, two is a charm to get rid of their, their two pets. Their one, two, two for one is the same. He has four Pillar of Flame, though. So is it charm doesn't really need to fill that role. Plus Azuria's charm. And he didn't actually do this. Like, the finals was full of plays that I didn't understand, and the commentators were both questioning... Uh, he he was on like six life and he had twenty power of angels on the board, yeah, he but he wasn't it. out of it. Yeah, he u- didn't use his Azurius charm to give all of his dudes life link, which is something else that you can randomly do. Yeah, I was I'm playing it in my Esper Spirits deck that I'm testing, and every now and then, you know, when you're attacking with four 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 vigilant spirits and they have no blockers, but you're facing down two Armada worms, well. You know, the 16 life that you gain is better than putting one of his to- than exiling one of his tokens, because that's you know you only need to buy one turn and then you win the game. Yeah, gaining 20 life seems pretty good. Now imagine if there's a Rock's Faithbender in play. Ha! Or two. Or two. I think you. Uh, I think you win if you gain 80 life. The uh, the Rakdos aggro deck that we've been talking about was uh, piloted by Joe Banal. Uh, he also went to the semis. And it's basically just black-red zombies. It's four Blood Artist, four Diagraph Ghoul, four Falconrath Aristocrat, four Jarrell's Messenger, four Gravecrawler, four Rakdos Cackler, which unfortunately is not a human. I thought it was. The Shred Freak is, though. Three Brimstone Volley, four Searing Spear, four Bump in the Night, three Pillar of Flame, ten Swamp, four Blood Crypt, Four Dragon Skull Summit and four Rakdos Guildgate, which is an interesting choice when you have twelve one drops. He wants to make he wants to make sure he can hit that messenger mana. The best part about this deck is the sideboard: three Underworld Connections, two Tragic Slip, 
three Dreadball, one Pillar of Flame, two Sever the Bloodline, one Mountain, which I can only believe was put in because he had an illegal sideboard, or maybe because he wanted to play his thirteenth, his 14th and 15th card. Rakdos, Lord of Riots. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, what deck you want to sideboard that in, that in against. I mean, if I was playing the deck, I'd sideboard in for every matchup just to be like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> he said it was against decks that were, had side, that, um, didn't have any way to, to stop him in the early game. So we turn four, Rakdos? Fair enough. I guess also if, uh, if you're playing against decks that have bonfire as a strategy, <laughs> you know, going turn four, Rakdos, that bonfire is no longer good. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, bro. <laughs> This is also the second deck we've seen with Underworld Connections on the side. Yes. Is that the anti-control all-star? It certainly seems to be. Um, I had it in draft yesterday with my pack rat. Ooh, it's good in draft. (laughs) Especially when you have pack rat. (laughs) Yeah, I had a... Like, I know for the Rakdos deck at the pre-release, I had it with uh, uh, Dagger Dome Imp. Yeah. Uh, like so, I was just gaining life, drawing a card. I was like, "Yeah, this is this is pretty decent." I mean, obviously, Firexteen Arena is a good card. I don't think anyone was uh, was debating that. No, and I mean, I, like I said in my set review for Black, which should be going up very shortly, or if, if it's not already up by the time you hear this, there's it's obviously worse than Firexteen Arena, but there's a lot of room for a card to be worse than Firexteen Arena and still be very good. Definitely. So, I mean, there's not really much to say about this deck, though, right? Like, it is it is basically black-red zombies. It's replaced Mortipod with Rakdos Cackler. It has yeah, a lot I, of reach. I mean, in the main deck, right, like, the only cards that are returned to Ravnica are the Cackler and the Guildgate. Oh, sorry, and the Blood Crypt. So, like, you have slightly better mana. Well, not slightly. You have much better mana base. And you have uh, a 2-2 for one. And it's not as though you're using any of your creatures to block ever, so... Who blocks? <laughs> yeah, this it's just turn dudes sideways. Some of them even come in sideways, and you probably just don't ever have to untap them. So, I mean, it's just your basic Dirtle deck, really. Kills fast, but also has a very hard job dealing with a Thrag Tusk. I think I saw a guy scoop when a Thrag Tusk hit the board with playing this deck. I think that's slightly extreme. Well, yeah, that's I, I a little bit extreme. I think it was because there was a centaur healer already on the board, but... Well, the one thing I like about this is that... The deck is that he's definitely packing uh, the removal for with Brimstone Volley and Searing Spear. Oh, yeah. Which, well, like, there's some other decks that were playing Crippling Blight, which is fine. It's just kind of like, nah. I'd much rather just kind of get rid of the creature. And it has the bump in the night to get rid of the Elder Scale... To get around Elder Scale Worm. Yeah, because that sees a lot of play. <laughs> well, the, I mean, the other thing, right, is Bump in the Night is is an extra three damage. Plus, you'll be able to get to the flashback. So for that six is... Maybe not. Well. <laughs> if you don't, you don't care. Uh, what what does this deck do against Witchbane Orb? It attacks with dudes. It uses its burn to get whatever blockers you have in the way out of the way. Yeah, that makes sense. It all, but Witchbane Orb also shuts off Blood Artist, which I really like. Is Witchbane Orb a thing? Uh, it could be if this is a if this is a deck. 
Like, see, I see Witchbane are coming out of the sideboard in your enchantment deck. That's entirely possible, because it also stops Bonfire. That it does. What tournament was I watching where someone redirected a Bonfire? That was the standard open yesterday, wasn't it? They redirected a Bonfire? Someone's like, yeah. redirect? Yes. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> a Seek, Travis, if you don't want to rage anymore for Bonfire, you know what to do. I very strongly consider putting Divine Deflection in my board. <laughs> so let's see here. What else have we got deck-wise? There's the Selesnia aggro deck in the top. Eight. Yeah, this one is... Uh, so, four Arborel, four Avacyn Pilgrim. It's pretty standard. Four Loxodon Smiter, because four fours on turn two are gross. Three Silverblade Paladin, because nothing is worse than an 8-8 eight, eight on turn three. Three Stranger Root Geist, four Sublime Archangel, why not? Four Wolfia Silverheart, stop it, you're being rude. Four Rancor, three Selesnia Charm, three Thalia, eight Forest, seven Plains, one Gavany Township, that seems incorrect. Four Sun Petal Grove, four Temple Garden. And then in the board, four Elite Inquisitor, two Thragtusk, two Triumph of Ferocity, two Sagada, three Garrick Relentless, and two Revenge of the Hunted. <laughs> I mean, this this deck really does have a golden turn three, right? Possible. Turn one, Pilgrim, turn two, Smiter, turn three, Silverblade Paladin, and equip a Rancor, Rancor to a Smiter. What is this? I don't even. Yeah, like, if you don't have any blockers, that's 20, right? Uh, no, it's 12. Oh, that's right. Darn it. <laughs> Next, next turn, though, they're dead. Next turn with a silver heart. My bad. You, you know what this deck really says to me? Is that someone was playtesting, and whoever they were playtesting against played Jace a whole lot. <laughs> so they're like, this beats Jace. Yeah, Jace this. <laughs> uh, this deck, it just seems absolutely brutal. I cannot for the life of me understand why you're only wanting, running one Gavany Township. Or, uh, was it Guardian of the uh, Grove? Grove of the Guardian? Grove of the Guardian, one of those also. I would probably read the right. Township on one of those. Well, I think the thing is, uh, there's a lot of, like, there's not a lot of colorless mana in the early going. So I guess well, maybe sure. maybe you want to minimize the amount of times you get that. I mean, admittedly, they also have 24 lands, so I think cutting, like, a Plains for a Gavany would not be I the worst of things. Niapod was a three-color deck, and that ran, what, two, three copies of Township? I ran three, and the mana base didn't have Shocklands. So, so no, I, I can definitely see your point. I mean, I guess the other thing, right, is they want to basically have their magical uh, Rancor, Smiter, Double Strike in two turns, so kill. Yeah, that's pretty gross. I don't know. It, this deck is just Smash Face. Sigata, I think, is excellent. And pretty much only dies to sweepers. I hate that card. I was well, the top eight. I'm not sure. Travis with Look it up. questions and stuff. <laughs> no, my problem with Sagarda is that uh, I had random cube tickets lying around for uh, MTGO. Yeah. And I I ended up winning the game, but uh, in the semis for uh, game three, he played a Sagarda, and my hand at that point was. Cruel Ultimatum, Consuming Vapors, uh, Innocent Blood, Liliana the Veil. Oh, how on earth did you beat that? 
Oh, uh, he... What was it that he did? He discarded... I forgot off of what, but he discarded his uh, Acroma uh, Angel of Wrath. Yeah. And I puppeteer clicked it. <laughs> so this was lasted pod in top eight. I could see it having a weak matchup to uh, all, all the, the yeah terminus and things. Yeah, he's really got no answer. I mean, unless you get the nut aggressive draw, you're pretty much gonna be in trouble there. Yeah, you know, if you do set in Revenge of the Hunted, you can kill on turn three. <laughs> <laughs> that you can. Uh, no, because, oh yeah, you wouldn't be able to Rancor, but you no, no, would you have... you go Smiter, then Miracle, Revenge of the Hunted, give it Double Strike, hit you for 10 Double Strike. And then you stand up and do a Victory Dance on the table. <laughs> Gangnam Star. Absolutely. Uh, the other interesting deck, there's a Bant Control list, but it's not terribly interesting. Where is... There's one Delver deck. No, uh, we're not going to talk about that. Thank you, Caleb. Oh, actually, speaking of uh, Star City Games decklist, though, they put up an article for uh, decks of uh, in new standard, right? Yeah. I don't know if you read that, but there was something very yeah. interesting about it. What? It was terrible? You no, Well, you had Brad Nelson's deck, which came in 13th, but the other decks came in, like, 200th place and 300th place. <laughs> and I was like, these decks exist in, like, the top eight. Why aren't you talking about them? <laughs> Chris, your champion of Lamhold deck finished the 25th. Awesome. I'll get to that in a second. I really want to talk about this Adam Prozac deck. Before that, though, uh, our own MTG cast own uh, Ruben Bressler, also known as the News and Ing host from, uh, from Star City, came in 56th. So he got himself a small paycheck. And US team member Alex Binnick from the uh, World Magic Cup was in 67th, just outside the money. So Adam Prozac built this Jun deck. Uh, he came 55th, so there's room for some tuning here, I think. But this deck, it just looks really sweet. So one Rakdos Key Rune, four Lol Troll, three Thrag Tusk, obviously incorrect. The correct number is four. Four Veilborn Ghoul. What? Three Gol- oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Three Golgari Charm, four Grizzly Salvage, two Olivia... Four Liliana of the Veil, four Faithless Looting, four Pillar of Flame, three Sever the Bloodline, one Forest, one Mountain, four Swamp, four Blood Crypt, two Dragon Skull Summit, four Evolving Wilds, four Overgrown Tomb, four Rootbound Crag. This deck needed Deathrite Shaman main deck. Uh, sideboard, two Deathrite Shaman, two Huntmaster, two Curse of Death's Hold, one Golgari Charm, one Olivia, two Duress, two Mutilate, one Rakdos's Return, two Slaughter Games. Remember, you can't smell spell slaughter without laughter. The tech of discarding a Veilborn Ghoul to Lol Troll or Liliana or Faithless Looting is brilliant. I love it. I'm alone, clearly. I'm still trying to wrap my head around Veilborn Ghoul. <laughs> I mean... I mean, no. I saw him play with it once, but he didn't really get to do anything with it. His graveyard got removed. Well, that's hardly his fault. It's certainly comical. I can see, I can see it being playable. I can see sure. all of his opponents immediately reaching across to his graveyard to pick it up and going, "What the f- is this?" <laughs> <laughs> As he cackles. <laughs> well, it does help you get card advantage of things like Liliana because it's not really being discarded. You're just temporarily putting it aside. 
And it's not like you're going to cast it. Ever. Fair enough. Hey, slap a rank, slap a, uh, Rancor on it, it's good. Well, that too, except the deck doesn't actually, you know, have Rancors in it. Not even. I think you can just go turn two, Lull Troll, turn three, Grizzly Salvage, hit four of them, play Swamp, bring them all back, discard uh, four to your Lull Troll, making them a six-five. Yeah, and then next turn, untap, play Overgrown Tomb, do it again, kill them. Yep, seems fine. I think this is the deck you want for Chuckles. <laughs> this uh, this might end up being a, a, one of the achievements on my in my article. Uh, discard four available on goals in one turn. There I might you have go. to do that. Gerard's order for two Veilborn goal. Ooh. Stop it. And then you discard them to Sphinx of the Ch- Oh my god. Calm down. Hey, Sphinx of the Chimes with that. I hadn't thought of that. That's pretty good. Uh, there is no uh, there's no bug control. Th- there is actually. In my in my testing goal. Oh, no, I know. But actually, if we're done with that, there's another deck that I'm only bringing up because if you think Christopher Lansdale's in love with this John Midrange deck and Veilborn Ghoul, wait until you feast your eyes on the, this deck brought to you by Legacy Superstar Mark Sun. Oh, no, I saw it, and it's not good. Oh, but you want to play it. I, I will be playing it, but... <laughs> Hey, I've been talking about Parallel Lives and Pack Rat all week. Yeah, Parallel Lives is one of the first ones coming out. (laughs) Um, This is a deck I can see playing Gerard in. I also want to combine it with Reanimation. Actually, you know what this deck needs, right? To combo with Pack Rat? What? It needs some Veilborn Ghoul. Stop. Actually, I did consider Veilborn Ghoul instead of Garak's Pack Leader. Yeah, the Pack Leader seems really out of place. You said it? Well, the reason it's there is that once you, you have enough rats, everyone you make is drawing you a card. So it, it sort of feeds the rats, right? But Veilborn Ghoul serves a similar purpose. So I think Chris is going to be playing some Mono Black with Pack Rats and Veilborn Ghouls. Uh, I don't think it'll be Mono Black, but I will definitely be playing Pack Rats right. instead. It's going to be Golgari, so you can have that parallel lives. Good thinking. Yeah. No, no. Gerard and Gerard's orders and Grizzly Salvage and Lol Troll and Ghoul Tree and oh. Lingering Souls. You you heard it here, folk. Uh, first, folks, make sure to get your pack rats before Chris Lansdale makes a hundred dollar card. <laughs> oh, I think it's already ninety nine cents right now. Actually, it's you almost one hundred copper pennies. That that is true, but as soon as Chris Lansdale wins some tournament of note with that deck, it's going to skyrocket. So around December twenty second, then. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Packrat is currently a dollar forty nine. See, it's already started. How, all right. How did they not make a Packrat token? You know, it's funny that you should mention that. Uh, has anyone else, before we get on to that, has anyone else got any lists they want to talk about from uh, from Star City? No, I'm all good. One of the cards I really want to build around is Seance. And the logistics of playing that deck are fairly terrifying because it makes token copies of everything, and then I'm going to be populating those copies. A token of Angel of Serenity would probably be really good. Yep, it would. You know what else would be really good? A token of Thrag Tusk. 
Actually, one of the plays that uh, I, I pulled off in testing with this was it's like turn one, uh, Averson's Pilgrim, turn two, Lingering Souls, and then it was a turn three, Flash It Back, turn four, I played Seance. My opponent was like, what the heck? End of his turn, Grizzly Salvage. What do you mean your opponent? was? You actually brought this against a real opponent that wasn't yourself? Yes. So at the end of his turn, I Grizzly Salvaged, and I kept a land and put Crater Hoof Behemoth in the graveyard. Untapped. I see where this is going. Seance the Crater Hoof Behemoth. Cast a Druid's Deliverance to populate the Crater Hoof Behemoth token and attacked for 99 there were sleigh bells and reindeer and st- such, but that was ridiculous. That difficult either? No, not really. I mean, they're all cards that you would play, except for Seance. They're all cards you would play in a Freed Star deck anyway. I mean, you know, it was just just stupid. The amount of damage it put out with a card that nobody would ever consider playing. You're included in that nobody list. No, I'm considering playing it at FNM. I know Real Evil Genius was talking about it on Twitter this week. And Jason. Jason, Jason yeah. Fox, yeah. yeah. Um, he convinced me to go ahead and get a playset of them just to try out, since they were like 50 cents a piece. Yeah. I mean, if it doesn't go anywhere, what have you lost? Good casual card. $2. Right, and if it doubles in value... Your soul. Which if, if, it, if by some miracle it wound up in one top eight, it would double in value. Easily. Yeah, no question. If not, it sounds like a lot of fun to play. It, it would be fun to play, especially just because, I mean, most people locally have followed the school of thought that if you don't understand why anyone would ever play with a card, destroy it as soon as possible. That but, is not exactly a bad school of thought. It is definitely not a bad school of thought, but... A lot of people will look at Seance and go, okay, and then you kill them with it. Actually, a lot of the better players, the look of realization that dawns on their face when they play their turn five irrelevant Thrag Tusk and you Grizzly Salvage and put the Crater Hoof in the yard, and they're like, I am so dead. There's nothing better than that. So good. Hey, but you finished 172nd place with Azorius Aggro. I find myself incredibly challenged to care. Well, it's the first Azorius Aggro deck we've looked at. Well, Ruben Breslin was playing Azorius Aggro as well. He got 55th. Does it have silver inlaid dagger? <laughs> it has one. Oh, no, I meant it's Ruben Breslin's, because I know Medina's has one. <laughs> Medina's also has Riders of Gavany. That seems like it would be problematic for uh, zombies. Yeah, um, except that it dies to all of their removal, except Abrupt Decay. It doesn't die to Pillar of Flame. Well, yeah, that's true. Traps are just being difficult. Uh, let's have a I look do at like the Knight of Glory main. Knight of Glory is a good card. Uh, Ruben was not playing Silver and Laid Dagger, probably because he knows what good cards are. <laughs> In his sideboard, he had four War Priest of Thune, uh, four Bonds of Faith, four Negate, and three Thalia. He was playing uh, Live Sky Knight, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, very good card. And Human, so it works with Champion of the Parish. This deck could uh, could be promising. It's got you know it's got a good early game. And it's got the beat down. It has I the guys of Saint Tracks and Spectral Flight combo, which just wins games on its own. Frankly, it also has cards that uh, it has access to in Lead Inquisitor. Cards with first strike, 
and uh, cards with protection from black. And, you know, as good as putting a Spectral Flight on a Geist is, it's not bad on Precinct Captain either. Oh, oh, soldier. Oh, soldier. If only I think there were human Traveler's soldiers. Day has passed, unfortunately. No, I don't know. It trades with a grave crawler and leaves you a spirit to beat them with. Uh, what are you uh, What are you looking at, Travis? I know you said you got an article coming up. What's What's your plan for standard? Um, prior to this weekend, I was working on a green, white, and I'm trying to decide from a splash red or black um, life gain deck with Rock's Faith Mender, Thragtus, Centaur Healer, Armada Worm. Um, Couple Death Rush, Shaman Main, Near Hearth Pilgrim. Just something to basically destroy zombies, because I figure zombies will be everywhere next weekend in the States. Um, I'm also looking at tokens, but after seeing all the Sever the Bloodlines, I'm probably not going to go with tokens. And I'm also now looking at a black green rock build. So, would that be more controlling, the black green one? Probably. So, I mean. I want to go turn one Death Rod Shaman, turn two Grizzly Salvage, turn three four drop. Yeah. Or what about Vraska? You playing Vraska in there? I like Vraska. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get a hold of any before states. They're primarily what I'm looking at is states. It's a week away. Vraska has gone down a lot. But there's still the supply issue. I don't think I can get them to me in time. Ah, that is a good point. Yes, I, I just after yesterday is when I decided to shift away from the tokens or the maybe the life gain. But yes, that's probably where I'm heading. Although if I can't get the Vraska, I may end up with the, one of these Jun lists, something like that. I do have the um, uh, Huntmasters. Okay, yeah, Huntmasters not a bad card though. Although it might be now. I just really want to build a deck with Grizzly Salvage. I love the card; it's fantastic. I don't disagree. I think it can be very, very good. But then again, I'm notoriously in love with bad cards. So. Oh, well, I, I still have a man crush on Faithmender. If those get here before next weekend, I may uh, just run the life gain deck and just hope I don't hit the uh, Miracles deck. I mean, what, what, uh, what does Celestia have to fight Miracles other than Thrag Tusk? I know watching the finals game when um, the Frights deck had Thrag Tusks, he was putting up a fight. The second game, he didn't get Thrag Tusk and he got blown out. Uh, I can think of a card. And it's one that never really saw any play. It was in Innistrad. And Ravens quote it a lot. In lightness. Nevermore. Nevermore. Uh, oh, that's what your de- enchantment deck needs. I knew there was a card that dealt with detention sphere. <laughs> but you, if you get never, Nevermore on turn three, which is completely possible, on detention and name... Sphere. Well, the detention sphere would probably have to be your first one, and then you name Entreat the Angels on the second then they basically have to win off their Planeswalkers. Yes. Which or they can't do pretty easily. They, uh, they ultimate that Jace and get pure Thrag Tusk. Well, yeah, that, also, that always assumes that you're not actually ever hitting them. That is true. But Life Gain, I think, is a definite possible for uh, this format, because a lot of the decks are just trying to win by smacking you around the face. Well, see, that's the problem. If they were smacking you in the face as opposed to around it, they'd probably have oh, more success. Oh, you're so clever. Oh, you hilarious man. I have my moments. Yeah, this isn't one of them. <laughs> well, it might be time I mean, to go back to Undying and Strangler Geist and 
um, other things that will survive the, the wrath or find some way to fight Terminus. Well, never mind the wrath. I mean, the wrath yeah, they only played dealt with the Golgari charm, right? Yeah, it's, Terminus is your big problem. So Maybe a lot more Garuk Relentless. Ah, Garuk. Yes. Planeswalkers are a big weakness for that deck. I mean, they have Detention Sphere, but you have answers to Detention Sphere, so... Yeah, I can see Rare Revelation becoming a sideboard all-star now. Actually, you know, I don't think you do name Detention Sphere on the first Nevermore. I think you... Uh, if you're holding Enchantment Removal, you definitely don't. No, you na- I think you'd probably want to name it on uh, one of their Planeswalkers. Yeah. To begin with. That but way, if they do use the Detention Sphere, then later on you can just Rave Revelation to go for the Entreat. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Plus, you can you probably have your own O-Rings. So. That is true. Who thought Nevermore would be a card? Right. I mean, it's, it's no exclusion ritual, but, you know. <laughs> no, it's actually... Twice as good because it only costs half as much. I'm glad I have that full art altered one now. Nevermore, that is. Does it have Edgar Allan Poe and a Raven on it? No, it doesn't. It's just an extension. Seems like a misplay. I know. I'd, I'd probably go and find Savage misplay and get him to play a get him to put a Edgar Allan Poe and a Raven on that. What are you looking at, Will? For standard, what are you thinking? <sighs> this nice four color reanimator deck. Are you playing at 75 for 75, or you got some tweaks? Uh, no. I think I want an extra Sever the Bloodline mm-hmm. in the board, and I think I want an extra Dreadbore in the board. Are you sticking with the Rolling Tembler? I don't know. Like, I, I'd have to, I have to test out the, the Zombies matchup more. Like, he, throughout the uh, course of the event, he went, uh, I keep on saying hey, uh, Chris Weidinger went 8 uh, 0 with it. Yeah. So I get the feeling that the zombies matchup is probably favorable. So I just wanna I wanna test that out to see if it's actually like say being able to flashback a rolling tumbler or rolling tumbler has that big of an effect. Because I think I mean at least for for me if I'm gonna metagame four states, which is next week, and there happens to be a PTQ uh, that's two hours away uh, on the same day. So a lot of the better players that would most likely play Todd Anderson's deck are going to be playing the PTQ. As well as card availability is certainly another big thing. So I don't think, uh, like at least for where I'm playing, I may be completely wrong, but I don't think where I'll be playing, there's going to be a huge presence of that control deck. Sure. Because getting a hold of four Jaces and... I mean, the other stuff is kind of easier to get, but definitely the four Jaces is... uh, is going to be slightly harder to get. I think if the reanimator deck has a favorable matchup against zombies, then uh, I'll definitely be playing it. And I kind of get the feeling that Rolling Tumbler is kind of a pretty decent card against zombies, so I think it'll probably be staying in. Well, there was a straight-up green-white-black rights with no red that made 11th. You may want to look at that one. Well, the red, was the red gives you dreadful Faceless right? looting. And and Faceless Looting and Rolling Tumbler. And you could even play Gisela. Well, I think that's overboard. Well, I haven't seen a single Zealous Conscripts in any list this weekend. Which seems like that should be adjusted. So, I mean, that's the biggest strike against Gisela, right? Is Zealous Conscripts. Because no damage base removal is going to kill her. Yes. Unless you're like Bonfire for 20. 10 would do it. I, I like to go extreme bonfire for 20. 
But let's face it, if they're going to bonfire for 10, you've got more worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that 10 damage right at the face. Well, 5, because it's half damage to you as well. I'm sure they'll find a way to make it 10. They'll play. They'll have a inverse faith mender in play. Yeah. Okay. You need to stop now. Um, but I like. I think the the red kind of gives it uh, more uh, answer cards. So like dreadbore like faithless looting. But I definitely like it. And I mean the mana base right is just with between the M10 duels, the Innistrad duels, and uh, shocklands. You're not really lacking for. No, especially not when you're playing Grizzly Salvage and Mulch. Yeah. Uh, you can find lands. I hope so. If if you're playing this deck and your mana screwed, it's most likely because your opponent found some way to recur Ghost Quarter. <laughs> yeah, or exile your graveyard or something. Uh, even then, even with exiling the graveyard, I'm pretty sure you could get there still. Probably. Fair enough. Yeah, the 11th place deck runs Arbor Elf, so it can hit the turn three... Grizzle Brian. Grizzle Brian! Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I'm still stuck on my Grixis list. I have been testing an Esper Spirits list uh, that plays... The only cards in it from Avacyn Restored... No. Return to Ravnica are uh, Phantom General, which is a 2-3 for 4 that gives token creatures plus 1 plus 1, and Azuri's Charm. I think I also have Syncopate in the board. I'm guessing Patrick Chapin wasn't at uh, this tournament. No, he wasn't. Why? Well, because there's no Grixis deck. <laughs> so the uh, the Spirits deck is actually a lot better than I ever thought it would be. I built it because if I don't get the cards I need in time for FNM, I can build this deck because the, the only cards from the new set are uncommons and commons. So I know I can do it. Uh, and it's it's actually really good. It's a lot a lot of the cards in it are from the previous block. I mean, it's got Lingering Souls, Midnight Haunting, Intangible Virtue, Drug Skull Captain. Cackling Counterpart has been very good. Uh, Geist Descent Traft and uh, Rootborn Defenses. How's Rootborn Defenses been? Uh, it, people don't see it coming. You attack with the Geist and they block with their Borderline Ranger or whatever and you go, yep, that's lovely. Now I have a 5-5 five, five Angel. And my guy's disentraft is still alive. And your dude is dead. I don't think they're going to lose much sleep over a dead Borderland Ranger. <laughs> well, no, but when they were expecting to trade for clearly a superior creature, and they end up not getting anything out of the deal except for a bruise well, and a bigger token to fight him next to. Well, I'll give Borderland Ranger a fair shake. Jeez. <laughs> you know what I mean. I do. So that, that Borderland Ranger has a family, Chris. Come on. Yeah, well. But the, my, my deck that I, I am in, absolutely in love with is my Grixis Control deck. Uh, I was talking to Will about it last night, and after turn five, every single spell, or not even turn five, after five mana, every single spell you cast is more powerful than anything your opponent is likely to be doing. You've got Jace, you've got Tamiyo, Nickel Bolas, Gilded Lotus... Rakdos' Return, Cyclonic Rift, even Curse of Death's Hold and Sever the Bloodline. Everything you do is just so powerful. It's just haymaker after haymaker. And they are all capable of ending a game on their own. Uh, the, the preferred end game for the deck is to get one or two Planeswalkers down, get to seven mana, 
overload a cyclonic rift, untap, and then Rakdos's return. So you clear their board, you empty their hand, and then you've got planeswalkers into an empty board. Seems gross. That happens more often than you'd think, especially when you have things like Bonfire and Mizium Mortars to keep the board empty in the first place. And like Cameo and Jace, one of the plays I pulled while testing, he had a Geistus Entraft with a Spectral Flight on it. And I was on eight, uh, six life. So I was dead next turn. I could have plus one Jace and still died because that would have been seven damage. Although I did have a key rune, so... Well, no, that even wouldn't have helped. So I was dead. But Jace was on eight counters. So I ultimate Jace. I get another Geist to kill his Geist. And they get a Nickel Bolas. The Nickel Bolas started picking off his lands. You're just he's mean. Good. Well, I mean, if he's going to let my Jace get to eight counters, I'm going to use it. <laughs> the only problem is, uh, playing on the new client, I'm still not fully used to it. So it takes me a little while to click through, and a lot of the time I run into time issues with that deck. But playing in real life, it wouldn't be anywhere near as much of a concern. Yeah, You've seen the list, haven't you, Travis? Did I send it to you guys? I think, Will, you've seen it. I did see it. I have not seen it. Okay. I see where I am in the hierarchy here. <laughs> I'm unloved. Well, it's because well, I had mentioned, like, generally post-rotation or whatnot, when it comes to playing FNMs, I want to play some big creature that probably normally wouldn't see play. And in this case, it's Nib-Mizzet. Yep, and I'm running too. Chris is like, oh, look at this. I have a list with Nib-Mizzet in it. And I was like, ah, I want to be playing that guy. Are you going to play my list? Uh, not at Provincials, but uh, no. there's certainly an FNM or two that's around. The only problem is I didn't open any Nib-Mizzet Nib-Mizzet's either, which is a pain. Yeah, I have I have Nib-Mizzet's. The only card I don't have, I need one Jace and the Rakdos' Returns to play that deck. Right, I don't have that either. The it, It's really powerful. Jace and Olivia, not Jace, uh, Nib-Mizzet and Olivia serve much the same purpose, and if you untap with either of them in play, you're probably going to win, because they pick off opposing creatures. Nib-Mizzet also has the bonus of being able to draw you stupid numbers of cards. Whoa, he oh, says whoa. He, uh, as a math major, I would appreciate it if you didn't insult numbers. Okay. He has the ability to draw you a large quantity of cards. Thank you, Steve. No calling numbers stupid. They're just ignorant. He says he's a 5-5, five five, but he's actually closer to an 8-5. Because when you cast him, you already have blue-red, blue-red. So that's at least 7. And then more than likely, you've got another blue-red somewhere to be able to uh, to draw 3 cards by picking someone in the face and then attacking and then getting blocked by whatever. It's just, yeah, he's just really, really good. And he does dodge the uh, Mizium Mortars. And he dodges Mizium Mortars, Ultimate Price, Abrupt Decay. Yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, uh, an Enhanced um, Brimstone Volley still gets him. And he, he's also not immune to Victim of Night like uh, Olivia is. And he can block Falcon Wrath Aristocrat. All day, every day. I'm thinking, though, that, zomb- uh, that vampires could possibly be good. There was a listener who sent us in a mono blacklist uh, that we read a little while ago. Uh, and I think something like that could be playable, although you can add red for Aristocrat, Olivia, and Stromkirk Captain without diluting your um, Nocturnus. That also gives you access to Dreadbore. Dreadbore seemed like it was underplayed this weekend. 
I think the fact that it's a sorcery might have scared off a few people. I, but it's definitely it's going to go up though the amount that's played, like especially with stuff yeah. like Jace's and Tamios. The thing is with anything that kills a planeswalker, it really doesn't matter that it's a station uh, that it's a sorcery, because you can't stop that first activation anyway. Unless, like, the person you're playing against is really not it's paying bad. attention. <laughs> yeah, very like, if they, cast, very, very bad. if they cast it and then do something else, then yes. Cast, but, cast it, go to attack. Yeah, uh, sure. By the <laughs> but, smooth move. Against a competent player, it's just like with Recurring Nightmare, you could never interact with it. Against a competent player, you can't prevent the first in, uh, first play of a, an ability, unless you can flash in like a pithing needle or something. But Shimmer Mirror has rotated. Indeed it has. Sad face. Never got to play with that card. I, I have it in an EDH deck, though, so I feel kind of good. All right, anybody else got anything to say about the new standard? Any thoughts, any suggestions for people looking to brew? I think we've certainly killed the Star City Open uh, results to death. The only other thing I'm looking at, Desecration Demon is very good. It didn't show up. It did. It was in one of the black-green zombies decks. Was it? Okay. I I know the decks that I went through. I didn't see it. Uh, it... It does have the ability to just lock down a board. And I think what Mike Flores said about it on uh, episode 51 was, was the best way to look at it. And that it's, don't think of it as a 6-6 with a drawback. Think of it as an abyss with upside. And when eventually your opponent runs out of things to feed to it, it kills them. Hey, in the rock deck I'm building, I'm thinking about it. It also works well with Vraska because they have to attack Vraska to stop her from ultimating, which kills dudes, which means they have less to do to, with Desecration Demon. If they sacrifice dudes to it, sure, it taps your Desecration Demon, but it means that they have less damage to deal to Vraska. And if Vraska does hit 7 and gets her ultimate, then the chances of them still having 3 blockers on the board are slim. I think that's the one deck that kind of didn't show up that I was thinking of. Maybe not, I, I know I mentioned Bug, but like, something like a, a Golgari control deck? Yeah. With like, because I mean, there's a decent amount of removal, right, between Ultimate Price and between Tragic Slip and Sever the Bloodline. Then when you, in combination with stuff like Braska and then using Desecration Demon, at, Demon as a, like your finisher. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh, the old, say, Counterburn decks that you're kind of moving over to say, uh, instead of being a uh, green, uh, sorry, blue red, you're moving it over to like say black, uh, black green. Obviously, you don't have counter spells uh, in those two colors, but if you're essentially able to just destroy anything that hits the board, mm. what do you think of Bramble Crush? It's a card. I think the problem it runs into is that most of the decks that are gonna, the reason they'll want it is because it hits Planeswalkers but Dreadbore does the same thing at a more efficient cost for mana. Yeah, but you're playing the extra mana for the versatility. So it's GG2 for a sorcery, destroy target, non-creature permanent. So you can take out, like, a, a Vault of the Archangel, Keswick Wolf Run. Uh, you probably will never get a Grove of the Guardian with it if they know how to play magic. Uh, you can get a Planeswalker, you can get a Detention Sphere... I think the deck you probably wanted is the like the Selesnya Agro decks instead of the green black control ones. 
Well, if like if there is a dedicated green black control deck that can kind of come up, uh, Bramble Crush will certainly show up there. Mostly because like you don't have access to red, so you don't have Dreadvor mana. Yeah, and I think one of the things that is important to note is that it just it you're paying extra mana for the versatility to nuke anything you want. So it so, it also hits stuff like you know for your detention sphere. Yeah. Which if you are able to cast a Vraska, then that's something they're gonna be they're going to be wanting to get rid of. For sure, and I mean, there's if you cast a Vraska, you're holding a Bramble Crush, and you think they have detention sphere. You can minus three her, take out the permanent, let them cast the detention sphere, get your Vraska back, and then plus one her. So that you get to use her best ability and not waste her plus one. But that requires reading your opponent, which is something I'm pretty good at, but a lot of people aren't. It sounds like a card I can put in the sideboard. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Or green, black. Hold up a second there. You're good at reading your opponent. Yeah, I am. Really? Yes, except when they have lost in the mist. Yeah, that uh, you were definitely not reading that. Did you read that? Well, uh, I was able to see what was in his hand, so technically, yes. No, that's not reading. <laughs> that's seeing. <laughs> but no, I've, I have got a lot better uh, just at magic in general over the past few months. But then again, the amount of magic I play, read about, write about, talk about... I'd have to be something wrong with me not to get better at magic. So, all right, I think we've pretty much beaten this to death. I hope you got some useful information out of this. We, we've come up with some ideas. We talked about what we're looking at, some cards we think might be players. Uh, if you have some ideas, if you want to talk to us about your experience at states or provincials, presuming you're not going to San Jose to play in the Team GP this weekend. Or there's not a PTQ around. Oh, yes, that too. Or you're not going to SCG Providence. Uh, we'd be happy to hear from you, as always. Send us an email, hosts at hordeofnotions.com, and uh, let us know what you're looking at, what decks you're playing. So, it is now time for a random moment of geekery. Will, go! I can't believe that I haven't mentioned this. Up, Like, this is going to be the first time I'm going to mention it, at least for this season. But Dexter's back. And, <laughs> like, the the past two seasons, I mean, people will always complain or whatnot there. They're like, oh, it wasn't as good as the beginning or whatnot. Like, I've never had that opinion, right? It's, but, like, this season is just, like, I mean, I remember watching the first preview that they put out for it, and I was like, oh, dear God, <laughs> I want this back. And it came back, and episode one certainly delivered. I don't know if you guys watched Dexter. No. Okay. I've seen the first two or three seasons. I just haven't been able to catch up with the rest. All right. It's on my list to finish. Fair enough. But, like, that first episode just kind of, like, I, Dexter, I guess, had the problem that it kind of drags stuff along in some parts. There's things that should have, like, really been resolved uh, in past seasons, like, right away, but they kind of dragged it off out, out of two or three episodes. And this wasn't the case. Like, this was... they. Basically, it was resolved. I mean, it wasn't. It's not resolved, but it, they brought the problem to the forefront right away, and uh, it is. Uh, it's shaping up to be a really good season, so I'm excited for that. Awesome. Yeah, it's not a show. I've. I think I saw maybe one episode of it and thought it was kind of interesting, but it didn't do enough to hold my attention. So I never really got into it. So Chris Lansdale finds serial killers boring. 
No, it's just not something that I'm interested in. Actually, speaking of serial killers, I'll go for a second one. Uh, I've kind of like always watched Criminal Minds along the way. I really, I mean, I get some people think that it's, you know, another CBS procedural or whatnot, but it's just kind of something that's decent. And A and E seems to always have a Criminal Minds marathon on on the weekend, which makes my attention catch even more. Uh, they uh, replaced one of the main characters, Emily Prentice with this new girl, and it's just awful now. <laughs> like, yeah, I hate like, that. Like, I'm not someone who, like, generally if I start watching a show, I'll just kind of continue to the end. I'm a sucker like that. Yeah. But, like, this is, like, the one, this is one of those instances that I was like, this is unwatchable. <laughs> and, like, that, I don't, I can't remember a show that that, that has ever happened to me. It's funny, I had a, uh, an experience saying something was unwatchable with the uh, Legend of the Seeker series that came out. Like, I really mm. loved the, the Sword of Truth books. All of them? But, yes, all of them. All of Even them? the ones that got preachy. Even the last, like, three or four? Yes. Okay, then you're a psychopath. <laughs> no, they were really good. Uh, I absolutely I loved, like, the first... The first two are fantastic. Three yeah. through six are readable, but beyond that, you're like... Yeah, you're a sadist or something. <laughs> I read them, but I did not like myself for doing it. No, you can't call him a sadist and not think George R. R. Martin is seriously disturbed. Oh, no, him. he's not the sadist. You are for reading it. Why? It's awful. Well, it's not awful. It's very preachy, but if you can ignore that and just enjoy the twists that he's put in the story, you can actually get somewhere. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but the TV show was abominable. It was, for one thing, it wasn't the story of the books. It was inspired by the books. <laughs> well, that's a bad start. Yep. And the first couple of shows, you know, it followed the books kind of closely. As a lot of adaptions, adaptations to film do, it cut out a few scenes and, you know, took a couple of liberties, but it wasn't anything too serious. But then they started skipping stuff and changing stuff. I'm like, I can't watch this. It was, no, it was, oh, not watchable. Yeah, I watched like two episodes of it and turned it off. Which stinks because it's from uh, Sam Raimi's production company. I usually enjoy his stuff. I think if you weren't a fan of the books and you watched it, you might enjoy it as just a good fantasy show. And normally I can look past that, like the X-Men movies, where they didn't follow the comics at all, especially with the Dark Phoenix one the, for, the, for the third one, X-Men United or whatever it was. I could still enjoy it as a good movie, even though it wasn't, anywhere near the Dark Phoenix story that was in the comics. But with the Legend of the Seeker show, I just, I couldn't do it. All right, Travis, your moment of geekery, sir. Okay, I have two. The first one um, is not exactly a glorious moment for our beloved game. A man in Missoula, Montana, was arrested for cutting his opponent after a close game of Magic the Gathering. He was arrested for assault with a weapon. So uh, no matter how horrible uh, your game is going, and it doesn't matter if your opponent has peeled bonfire after bonfire, don't cut them, please. It's probably uh, not advisable. Question, question though. Did he uh, cut the guy with a, a stab wound? <laughs> that would have been fantastic. <laughs> or a silver inlaid dagger. <laughs> Did he get DQ'd? That's what I want to know. I, I generally think cutting, although there's probably not a specific example 
of cutting someone. It Violent behavior. <laughs> well, right, but it doesn't specifically say if you cut someone, you will be DQ'd. <laughs> I have to imagine that they probably took the interpretation of the rules to mean that he's not allowed playing. I guess this is just when flipping a table isn't good enough. You've got to go one step further and stab someone. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so... That's sad and terrible. Uh, we're laughing because it's funny what Will said. But i got to echo what Travis said. There is no game worth cutting your opponent over. Except for college football, if your opponent's Auburn. Uh, the views of Travis do not necessarily represent the views of the other hosts of Horde of Notions. Yeah, like, for example, if you happen to know an Alabama fan, cutting would be acceptable just to put them out of their misery. <sighs> and your other moment of geekery, Travis. And my other moment of geekery is something I found on Facebook. Um, it's a picture of a book called The Pop-Up Book of Phobias. And that has to be the worst <laughs> idea ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Who would create such a thing? Uh, his name is Gary Greenberg, and it happens to be... Uh, available for $70 on Amazon. Yeah, how about no? I mean, if you really want to torture someone, I suppose you could give them a copy for Christmas. Spiders are on page three. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about the uh, the Mitt Romney Gangnam Style video that was on Facebook today that I put up. Haven't seen that one yet. Oh, dude, so funny. Oh, Chris, to... like seriously, you should see a picture of this book. This is... This should definitely go up in the show notes. Well, put it in the show notes, then. I just put it in the Facebook chats. I sorry, the Skype window, so you can see it, though. Or you could just put it in the show notes. That requires me finding the show notes. Oh, no, but I meant just so that you can see it right away. Right. My moment of geekery, I should probably also have uh, to... Uh, <laughs> the first one is uh, a bit of a gloat, really. Um, we were watching... I was trying to fall asleep on Thursday night and I get a message from Will saying oh here's the link to the League of Legends finals they're streaming now this was at about 11 11.30 at night so I thought I'd give it a look because I mean you know nothing is as boring and puts you to sleep faster than competitive video games that you've only just started playing so 2.30 in the morning when I stopped watching the coverage and finally tried to get to sleep. I was thoroughly hooked. And this is what Magic needs to be doing. Uh, I don't know very much about the game. I know the basics. I'm getting better at it, although Will is going to disagree, because he always does, even though it's true I am getting better. Uh, but I still watched it and enjoyed it and was able to follow it because they were explaining it on a level that I could identify with, having only barely played the game. I knew what was happening. And it was uh, it was really good, really interesting to watch. Now, this weekend, uh, I tried to watch it yesterday. Might have been Friday. And Epic Fail really doesn't cover it. I, don't, I think that's a fair statement. Wouldn't you agree, Will? The internet was hacked. Yeah, so they say. Basically, they, the stream crashed at least half a dozen times, and they had to reschedule everything, uh, which has never happened to Magic. Well, so. see, well obviously... You know, card, you can't have cardboard that crashes. No, but they could cut the stream. They could hack the stream. No, but uh, actually what 
what happened was one of them was a power failure, which seems kind of odd, and the other one was internet connectivity issues, but mm. which again seems kind of odd, in that, like you think weren't they on a LAN? Pardon? Well, we'll see. That's just it. You'd think they'd kind of have it so that it was say self-contained within uh, the within the form they were playing, so that yeah. you wouldn't have it up on uh, the internet. Then you'd have it on the LAN. That's why I mean I'm not not really sure why it was set up that way. It was probably could have been done better. But the plus side to that is that it means that I get to watch League of Legends coverage throughout the entire week. Well, I feel kind of bad for Brian Kibler. Said nobody ever. <laughs> but he actually took a day off testing for the Pro Tour to go and watch the League of Legends finals in person. So he was actually in the building and they because the stream wasn't a going, they weren't running the games. Yeah. So he wasted an entire day standing around waiting for them to do nothing until they eventually said, Herpaderp, we're gonna do it later. Sorry. He's Brian Kibler, he doesn't need to test. Uh well considering he's the pretty much the primary deck builder for for Channel Fireball, as per Sam Black. That is true. I believe that was mentioned on the show. God, we've had some really good guests on our show. Every now and then, yeah. Yeah, we've been working uh, those back channels very... Ah, uh... Uh, yes. My last moment of geekery. Um, no spoilers, but go and watch the most recent episode of Doctor Who. And have a very large box of tissues with you. Shut up. It, That's all I'm saying. Did the Cylons win? Are Silence and Doctor Who? No, that's, I believe, Battlestar Galactica. So the Silence didn't win? I don't know, they might have done. Who watches that crap? Uh, so yeah, watch it. It's amazing. It turns out that Doctor Who is secretly Luke Skywalker's father. Uh, no, they actually say who the Who is. No, not really. But no, it's really, really good. And Matt Smith will never be David Tennant. But he is rapidly making the role his own and becoming the second best doctor ever. Which is no mean feat when David Tennant was just so awesome. So yeah, just, just Doctor watch Love. It. Sorry, is this one of those <laughs> moments where you think you're funny again? Uh Travis clearly agrees with me. I think he's more laughing at you. No, I'm pretty sure he agrees that Gene Simmons is the best doctor. Who? Oh no, he was in Kiss, not the Who. Shout outs, Will. Hmm. This <laughs> well, no, because I was just reading yours, and I was like, "Oh, Shugmar." Uh, oh, yeah, right. Those aren't my show notes. No, indeed, they are. I mean, I suppose I could give a shout out to Shug. Not quite sure who he is, but a shout out to you, dude. <laughs> is that all the shout outs you have? Is to steal mine? <laughs> well, I didn't steal all your shout outs. No, and you won't either. Fine, shout out, Steelera. Um, hmm. Shout out to Josh Lemish's Gisela. He actually got that back. <laughs> hey! And he also got back his Consecrated Sphinx and his Black Sun Zenith. Right in time for them to rotate. So, <laughs> shout out to Joshua Lemish. I apologize, buddy. Never lend me cards again. <laughs> I don't think that's a concern. <laughs> Unless, of course, I happen to need bonfires, in which case, pretty please. Uh, actually, shout out to my brother. He just bought a condo. He's actually a homeowner now and moving out. 
Sweet. Does that mean you get his room? Uh, no, I already have my own room. I mean, I suppose I can make it an office, but not really necessary. I believe that's all, right. all for shoutouts, though. I don't think there's anything else. Travis, shoutouts? Shout out to my good friends Joe and Ryan Benford. Um, shout out to Jacob Menard, Billy Webster, and semi-professional Grand Prix champion lifter Kirk Dubay. Um, that's about it. Oh, I have another one. An Andy shout out to Travis for his stupid Venser Blink deck. <laughs> that was the worst. No, I mean, I mean, it it was all right. I felt all right about it after playing next the guy who was playing the Border Post dot deck and starting game three with the hand of Forest Mountain and Four Ancient Crutch. I felt a whole lot better for myself then. I was like, this must yeah. be how Travis felt. It's like you, you just ruined someone's week. Yeah, it's a great feeling. <laughs> it is. But don't tell people that they might think it might ruin my squeaky clean image. Where did you get one of those? He stole it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my shoutouts. First of all, big shout out to Shug Sugar Shane. Oh, so you're stealing uh, my shoutouts now? Shut up. He just uh, celebrated a birthday and was ridiculously drunk last night and messaged me at two o'clock in the morning complaining because Brad Nelson wouldn't tell him happy birthday. That was uh, really rather good. Uh, shout out to Mark and Alicia for dragging me to draft yesterday, even though I didn't want to go. Uh, I love those guys. They're awesome. Sometimes they're together. Sometimes they're not. I think actually this is one of the times when they are, which is great because they're so cute together. Uh, shout out to Redfern for sponsoring my draft because I wouldn't have been able to play otherwise. And I won it. So yay me. Yes, I'm actually capable of winning games of magic. I know. Shocking, isn't it? Yeah, at least give him a cut. No, God, do I look like I live in Missoula? I'm going to assume that's someplace where, like, near Travis lives. No, that's the where the guy lived who did the cutting. Oh, isn't that near Travis? No, that's it's actually near Adina. Yeah, it's in Montana. Oh, well. Uh, do try and pay attention, double right. I think you forgot a uh, shout-out. I absolutely did not. Also, shout-out to Scotty Mack. Uh, just because he's awesome, but this is not news. And to oh, that is um, Mr. Scotty Mac to you. Also, you should give no, it's Mr. Scotty Mac to you. But you not should also me. give a shout out to uh, Alina. Happy birthday! Who? That's not you mean Alana. 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 My bad. Yes, his wife. Sorry, sorry, Scotty. Yes. Happy birthday, Mrs. Scotty Mac. Well, belated birthday. If you haven't met her, by the way, oh, you have, haven't you? Well, I have. Remember? Yeah, you she's, she's absolutely tea. awesome. I have I did not. not. No, you haven't, Travis. But she is absolutely awesome. Oh, no, it's true. You didn't have anything to do with that. Instead, no, rather, rather, than dri- rather than being able to drive home, uh, Scotty uh, was hanging, was uh, waving his baby in my face, being like, she came down all the way to have supper. You can't leave now. <laughs> Cruel. <laughs> now, that was when uh, he said that I should come along, so I came along. I was about 20 minutes late. Well, me and Linda were 20 minutes late. And final shout-out to uh, one of our listeners, Maddie Studios, uh, Matt Beverly on Twitter, is Maddie Studios anyway, who has agreed to uh, do some work for us, which is awesome. And uh, look, possibly coming up with some Horde of Notions t-shirts in the near future. Squirrel-themed. 
or not polar squirrel polar bears eating squirrels themed. See, I think we should have a red-headed polar bear with a pimp cane with a squirrel riding it. And how does Adina fit into this? It's a vampire polar bear. Hey, her picture looks redheaded. This is just she is, awful. She is not redheaded. <laughs> it's a vampire polar bear with a pimp cane being ridden by a squirrel fighting Malira. There we go. That's what it is. Well, I suppose that's better than my suggestion of the polar bear eating a deer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that one. It should probably be edited out. Shout out to Adina, uh, who is spending some time with her boyfriend, which is sweet. See, Aww. I think she's I think she's just using him to play extra magic. I think she's just using him for other reasons. Is there anything wrong with uh, extra magic? Sorry, what's this? I, I don't I don't understand. No. Yeah, well, we, well, we sit back in the background talking about magic. She's out there on the front line playing it. Just so we have something to talk about, William. Have some respect, boy. I apologize. Your sacrifice will not be... These colors don't run! (laughs) And that's that for that night. I think we can wrap it up there before we all get a little sillier. So, on that note, let's wrap this baby up. For Will, for Travis, for the absent but probably having a ton of fun, Adina, this is Chris saying join us again next time for another exciting episode of Horde of Notion. Hell right. Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs>